What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Patchy and I am here with my co-host Dave Martinson. Dave, what's going on, man? Kiss my hiss. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be talking a lot of stuff today. We're right in the thick of spring, summer culture season, really heating up. We're going to be talking Silicon Valley. We're going to be talking Barry, a lot of music to get to and some news from Spotify. But first, if you're listening to this and you like the podcast, hit subscribe down here. Go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgia pod and give us a follow and clicks and share us with friends and also give us a rating and review on itunes we really appreciate all the feedback dave speaking of piss r kelly very famous for some not so consensual piss action in the past and now he is suffering repercussions from the streaming service spotify fill me in on that news it's funny i didn't immediately remember that r kelly allegation that's because there's so many and there's so many wide variations to the shitty things r kelly has uh, almost certainly done but yeah spotify announced that they were removing r kelly and xxs tentacion's music from their playlists and then they quickly updated that, you know, an announcement that they were didn't want to have any hateful conduct promoted on their playlists. Of course, the music is still on Spotify. They didn't take it down or anything. They're just not actively promoting it. And uh, it is definitely noteworthy because 20 to 30 percent of all Spotify streams are consumed via playlists and probably upwards of like 50 percent of all new music is consumed via playlist. And for XXX, of course, we reviewed his album Question Mark a few weeks back. SoundCloud.com plus Nostalgia Pod. Check that out. But he, he came up in the SoundCloud generation. And usually when SoundCloud rappers blow up from SoundCloud, their hits go on to the Rap Caviar playlist, the most followed influential playlist on Spotify. And that really helped made his career. And then it's kind of funny because the opposite is R. Kelly. R. Kelly's not someone who like does big streaming numbers. He hasn't had a hit in over 10 years. So he's not even really taking much of a hit from this. But it's interesting to see that Spotify, the biggest music streaming platform, the way every, most people consume music nowadays, taking a kind of moral stand against artists, despite the fact that neither of these artists have been convicted of any wrongdoing. What do you think? That was what actually was going to ask you. Doesn't this seem like a slippery slope in a way? Like today, one of your guys from Brockhampton, or over the weekend, was accused of sexual... Yeah. I'm your van. Or having sex with a minor, being mentally and verbally abusive in his romantic relationships. And it really feels like it's nice to see a precedent like this, this set because you don't want to be boosting up these people who are problematic or who have a history of this. But where is the line? And that's going to be the gray area is when you're not pumping up certain people for something that people might say is an allegation or something that people might say, well, he was convicted of this, but you know, it's not as bad as this other person. So why are you taking this down? Now, obviously it seems like they're focusing on some very problematic artists, you know, XXX and R. Kelly are particularly well known for some of their serious legal issues but what's your feeling do you feel like this isn't a good precedent to set or do you feel like this is going to lead to problems down the road the the who responses from the camps are kind of eye-opening r kelly's camp basically just did you know another denial thing just saying that why would you react to unproven allegations blah 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 stuff they've basically been saying then x's camp basically posted a list of all these artists on spotify that have had various things happen, like Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, Chris Brown, Six Nine, Kodak Black, etc. Even Michael Jackson. Why are they on Spotify? Right, it's mm-hmm. the same, no different. Right. They've been accused of stuff like me, not convicted like me, similar situation. So I do understand that it is a, it is clearly a slippery slope, and a lot of these artists are still pretty well regarded, like like a Dr. Dre. 
uh, Dr. Dre did some really shitty things, but most people still really like him. But because it's just the playlist, you're not taking them off the plat. Their music, there's nothing wrong with the music, mm-hmm. so they really have, they wouldn't really be justified taking it off. But you're just not giving them the free promo anymore. When something bad happens to a famous person outside of music, a lot of times they lose endorsements before they're convicted of anything. I don't think it's that different. But it is a slippery slope. I think Spotify, they, they said they're taking it on a case-by-case basis, but they really set up X's camp to give them that very easy retort. Yeah. Well, what about these people? What about ism? Welcome to 2018. Mm-hmm. So I would have liked them to maybe thought it out a little better, but yeah, I think this is this is you know a positive thing. And I'm really curious to see what happens to artists like X and TK that have big followings, but also got that following from a playlist, you know? So interesting to see Apple Music also followed suit, removing R. Kelly and Pandora as well. So we'll see how far this can go because, yes, yeah, some people are just be like, why are you going to punish people that haven't officially been accused of anything? But uh, I think it's for the best. Kind of just to reiterate my point, I think it's definitely a good thing, but they need to come up with, I think, a more set policy, kind of like what you said, like a more thought out guideline to this so that they have some consistency with it. It'll definitely be something to monitor, but overall good move. We're going to be talking a lot of a lot about different artists today, and just a little preview for next week, we'll be talking XXL freshman. Why don't we start with someone who was an XXL freshman last year? T Grizzly. No, no, no. Oh, he wasn't last year. He was... No, Cardi, Cardi was. was. So it was T Grizzly was not an XXL freshman. Correct. But he was on the cusp. Right. Last year, you brought him up. He's one of the few you're able to suggest <laughs> as like a worthy choice. And yeah, T Grizzly was, I, I think, rightfully not picked last year. He was a little too new. His breakout song, First Day Out, got that LeBron co-sign. That dropped, you know, end of 2016, and XXL decisions get made in, uh, you know, April of the spring every year. So T Grizzly was really hot, but a little new. You have to, you know, give him that extra year and make sure it's legit. And, you know, he released From the D to the A, that awesome song with Yachty. Then he had his first tape, My Moment, and then he had that collab tape, Blutas, with Lil Dirk from Chicago. And then now we're here with Activated, his debut album, which releases just ahead of the next XXL cover, which is coming next month. So he's probably already already shot the cover, but the album's out now. It's a long album, but I think it kind of does a lot of what T Grizzly does well and what he kind of got famous for. I mean, what'd you think of the project? Well, you know, I've only listened to a couple of T Grizzly things in the past. Obviously, the, the song that got co-signed from LeBron was one that blew up and became very popular. I felt kind of surprised by moments on it, like Chris Brown kind of popping up on two songs. I was like, it seemed like he is trying to go in a more commercial view, which I think makes sense. He obviously wants to grow as an artist and become more well-known and more consumable. And just kind of listening to some of his past work, it seems like he really tries to keep like this earnest honesty in his lyrics and what he talks about. So I think he kind of realized he probably needed to go with something a little bit more conventional to gain some more claim and some more fans. I just don't know if it totally fits for his style, and I kind of was left a little underwhelmed by the album, but considering it's his first one, I think there's a lot here to work with. You seem to be high on it, though. What did you like about it? No, I do agree with that take. You'll notice on this album that he did kind of switch some things up. He did sing some hooks, not something mm, he's really yeah. done before. When he did Blutas with Lil Dirk, Lil Dirk did any of the singing hooks that they had on that, and Grizzly, up to this point, was very much kind of like a Meek Mill, just a very aggressive rapper talking about gangster rap type shit. And while most of the production is still very Meek-esque, I guess you could say, like, you know, tight beats and whatnot, the fact that he already is open to doing softer stuff i think is a good sign for where mm-hmm. his head's at but yeah, i mean overall the appeal of t grizzly is like just how fucking autobiographical he is he like will just 
paint the picture the yeah. way he has things have been in his mind and it kind of became a meme over the weekend the song too lit i think is what spurred it where he's just like super super honest about the crimes he used to commit with his friends and he'd be like hey joe remember when we robbed so and so on that day on this time at that street corner <laughs> like he's just very very specific about things it's kind of funny he got that lebron james photographic memory dog <laughs> yeah but I mean, yeah, so I, uh, to your point about it being a little underwhelming, I think there's like a really good album in here, but he let it get a little too long because he tried to do a lot of other things. I think if this was cut down to like maybe 12 tracks, it could have been really impressive. Mm-hmm. But again, like he just turned 24. He's he's still really young. And I think the way he actually, you know, is a competent rapper and he does have lyrics. So I don't think he's going to be a flash in the pan at all. And I, and I thought activated the title track. The first song on the album was very much like Get Up 10 by Cardi B, her intro track, which is very much like Dreams and Nightmares the famous aggressive intro track from Meek Mill. And then I thought Jet Ski Grizzly, the song with Little Pump. I thought Little Pump actually really brought in this. And even Little Yachty's features I really enjoyed. So I think overall it's promising. Definitely First promising. album from T Grizzly. Yeah, the, probably the track that stood out to me the most was On My Own, the, the final track. This sounded, mm-hmm. I think, most like his older stuff. So I, that's probably why I was attracted to that one. So someone that actually was an XXL freshman, not, not just in my heart, but actually named an XXL freshman, Playboy Cardi, also dropped his debut album which right. you know, he dropped surprise album yeah a mixtape self-titled mixtape last year right two years right. yeah last mm-hmm. year now he gained a lot of acclaim through soundcloud if, I, if i'm correct and again kind of my take on this album was i was a little underwhelmed i think there's a lot here what stood out most was this guy pierre born his producer oh, yeah he's great man i mean he made magnolia Oh. He, he helped he helped make Cardi. He he was like the breakout producer of 2017. Yeah, I, I thought his production on this was fantastic. Even from the intro track, which I actually think that one was was guest produced. But I mean, like the whole just sound of it, I think was what stood out to me most. Cardi's parts were kind of meh. Right. What was your take on this? Did you enjoy it more than I did? Well, yeah, I think to your point, like Cardi's pints are mad. Cardi is he's he's very much the opposite of T Grizzly. Right. <laughs> he's not gonna put together tight sixteens. He's not gonna tell you anything that introspective. T Grizzly is way far ahead of him in that department. But what Cardi does bring is just like swagger and ad libs and just vibes mm-hmm. and especially when meeting with a good beat uh, it usually works out well i wasn't the biggest fan of this album which is called die lit which i think is a fucking awesome album title <laughs> especially for today well and with the with the cover art I mean, he's just like yeah diving for into sure the crowd looks awesome but I, I think really the reason i didn't like it so much is, is like, i just didn't find songs that jumped out to me the way his old songs had self-title last year obviously had magnolia but also had woke up like this with uzi and New Chapo with Rocky. And then before that, his like first breakout songs, Broke Boy with his infamous music video and uh, Fetty. Like, I like all those songs more than I like anything on this. And it's not like he's doing anything that different. There's some vocal changes. Obviously, he distorted his voice in some of these songs. I feel like the Bryson Tiller feature was pretty underwhelming. And it, that's disappointing because Bryson Tiller does not do a lot of features. I thought the Travis song was pretty solid just because the vibe, the, the way Travis has been going right now actually kind of really so meshes, w- meshes well with Cardi. But yeah, I mean, I, the vibes are there. I think my favorite songs were Shooter yep. with Uzi. I thought that was a great Uzi feature. Mm-hmm. And Lean For Real with a way too short Skepta feature. My ears perked the fuck up when <laughs> Skepta came on. Man. For some reason, I feel like every time Skepta is on a track, he just jumps off. He's definitely wonderful. Yeah, so it seems like for both of these, we're, we're a little bit underwhelmed on T Grizzly and Playboy Cardi. But before we started, you were, you were bumping this guy, Ski Mask the Slump God. <laughs> so tell me about, about your guy here. Yeah, Ski Mask the Slump God, Beware the Book of Eli. Like T Grizzly, I expect him to be a freshman 
this year. He was kind of in the mix last year, but was probably rightfully passed over to you know, for more seasoning. And he came up with Exercise Tentacion as a friends. They're from the same part of South Florida. And they started, like, you know, getting big together. And I think Ski Mask opened up for one of X's first tours. But Ski Mask, I think, is another guy that I expect to stick around a long time because he raps in a very unique way. Like Grizzly, he's also a competent rapper. But I think he's got a very unique sound because he has a lot of flows in him. And you, this is a short, like, 20-plus minute tape. A yeah. lot of short tracks. You know, like, like we mentioned when uh, the Valet Project dropped. Nothing really approaching three minutes on this. But on all these songs, he can drop all these different flows. And he can have some songs that are just very, like, bits of, like, dark humor. Mm-hmm. And just, it's not something you, you can find anywhere. He's not like your average trap rapper where you know exactly what you're going to get as soon as you start listening. I think he definitely has his own little lane, despite, you know, blowing up in that SoundCloud space. And, I mean, you were telling me that you thought it reminded you of Flatbush Zombies. What'd you th- how'd you get there? I mean, just, like, the elements of psychedelia in, in the sound, but just, like, the darkness of the music, and it was, it actually kind of reminded me of Flatbush mixed with, like, Odd Future at times. I think also right. his voice kind of fits like that odd future vibe a lot it's funny because you told me to listen to his hit single catch me outside before listening to this Mm -hmm. and that that track would not have fit on this album at all i don't think no the way that that he kind of transitioned which he was fire on that catch me outside song to the songs on this i thought was pretty impressive to your point about him having these different types of flows within him yeah so you you think he has this ability to kind of stick around this is in in similar to like ballet it's a very short album 21 minutes only 10 songs Mm -hmm. Do you think that because he is so dark, he almost needs to keep these songs short? Because like, this isn't something I would want to listen to for like 40 minutes. I'd, I'd feel way too like sitting sitting in the muck in a way almost. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point. I didn't think of it that way, but maybe so. He's This is his, I think, fourth tape. One of the shorter ones, though. It was There was actually a longer version of the tape that leaked out. He had some management issues with this, so he like fired his management and waited a week and put out this, but he lost some features on this tape. He's supposed to have an offset feature that's gone. So I think, you know, depending on where you're listening to it, you might be listening to a slightly different project, but I'd love to ask him, yeah. <laughs> is your music short because you only can write so many uh, Hades-esque bars, you know? <laughs> right. I also, you know, just kind of thinking XX, Tentacion and then Ski Mask came up together. Who do you think is more successful in three years? I mean, I feel like you have to go with X just because he is that rabid fan base. so much more famous. Right. And so much more popular. I don't think Ski Mask will ever get that mainstream. He doesn't make that kind of music. But then again, X doesn't really make mainstream music either. And Sad mm-hmm. got to like, what, five on the chart yeah. this year? Partially due to Spotify's help. But mm-hmm. the times have changed. But I think Ski Mask might have the, like, the longer tail. Right. But he'll never appre- approach X's peak yeah. in terms of sheer scope. Kind of crazy because he does seem like just a better technical rapper you know like for sure skirt. i mean x doesn't rap technically as much as ski mask does anyway so yeah definitely someone that doesn't rap at all but became big off a song with a rapper 2015's see you again by Wiz khalifa charlie pooth sang the hook on that song this is his second album voice notes I, Correct. I, I didn't write it down here so yeah voice notes follow up to his 2016 album nine track mind by that time he had already had three top 40 Single, so this guy has mm-hmm. some real broad pop appeal. This album was self-produced because he really hated 
the production on his first one, which was a mess <laughs> for the most part. Mm. Yeah, album kind of sucks. Was that a good move though? Was was this a more succinct and, and better album than his 2016 debut? Yeah. Short answer: Yes, definitely. Also, nine track mine is more than nine tracks. <laughs> yeah. Come on, dog. It's like- 13 or 14, right? Right, and that's before the deluxe edition, which adds <laughs> even more tracks, so that was annoying. Because we definitely needed a deluxe edition of 9-Track Mind. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 9-Track Mind, he, like you said, he had all this this buzz and, and, and momentum, right? And then you release this album, and it's not that it was like total trash the way some reviews scored it as, but it was just very simple, I think this way to put it, like lyrically simple, thematically simple, you know, it's just kind of him being a lover. Mm-hmm. famous lover in LA and whatnot it wasn't a lot there granted I think there was some you know his sensibilities in terms of the kind of pop music likes to make you know there were some positive things there but then here we go to voice notes and I mean yeah producing it all oh, I think he's actually a very talented producer and has a, a good ear for that so it's nice to see that because a lot of pop singers male or female most of them do not make beats so it's a uh, kind of refreshing in that regard and yeah I thought voice notes was much better and there's actually some songs I plan to go back to I mean how did you feel about it yeah, I think himself producing, he definitely had a vision for this and, and an idea of what he wanted it to wanted it to sound like, which comes across. I think it's almost too similar at times. Like some of the tracks didn't really stick out to me in, in any way. Also, some of the features he had on this were kind of puzzling, <laughs> like we, we were talking before. But James Taylor, out of nowhere on changes, this is, which is obviously like an ode to Man in the Mirror or something like that. There's like a, right. a song that it's like supposed to be very similar. Very similar lyrical message, yeah. though. Again, kind of simple. I don't know. I don't really find him to be a very intriguing artist. I, I kind of just see him as a male lyricist who will probably pop up and do some features. Almost kind of like the, the main guy from One Republic. I can't even remember his name. Ryan Tedder. Yeah, Ryan Tedder. He ended up doing like just some hooks and stuff in One Republic because they can still make a hit, kind of like Maroon 5, but they kind of fade away and the lead singer becomes yeah, famous. Yeah, that's actually a, a really good call. I think is the best thing about Charlie Puth is his songwriting. Yeah. I think there's a lot in him. Like, he's a very talented dude, obviously. Yeah. But the act of Charlie Puth, Charlie Puth the singer, the pop star, is probably not the best, so far, is not the best use of that talent. I do think he's more interesting than, say, like a Nick Jonas or some other, like, you know, like, second-tier male pop star. Mm-hmm. He obviously doesn't have an amazing voice. He's not like Sam Smith. But I like voice notes more than I like Justin Timberlake's Man in the Woods. Yeah. I like I LA Girls and How Long a lot. I think Done For Me with Kehlani is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I really like Slow It Down as well. And then, heck, I mean, he shot a shot and got a Boys to Men feature. <laughs> like, that gets brownie points in my book. Yeah, in 2018, Boys to Men, dog. I, I think he'll definitely be a lasting pop person in pop music. But I, don't, I just don't think he'll ever reach those like upper echelons. But could be wrong. A guy we didn't review, Sean Mendes, I kind of felt the same way about. But he seems to be just gaining more and more steam every year. So this could, I mean, he could be somebody that we're talking about for years to come, especially, I mean, he's co-written a lot of stuff. Maroon 5, Jason Derulo, like you said, he's talented. Uh, we'll see. None of these were my favorite album of the weekend, Dave. And why was that? That was probably because you were eagerly awaiting the sixth Arctic Monkeys album, the first one in five years, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. That's the name, right? Yeah. I, I was so eager about it, I forgot to mention it last week. Yeah, I mean, shit. I, I went like 30 seconds on Charlie Puth, and we didn't <laughs> even mention that Arctic Monkeys was coming out. But yeah, English rock band, probably one of the most, probably the most successful 
band of the 2000s, like the early aughts. They they formed in 02 in England, but their first album dropped in 06. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of when I think of them as, you know, coming to be. Yep. And they're really an you know, alternative rock band, obviously. You know, it's funny. Wikipedia calls them indie rock. They're not indie rock. That's stupid. No. <laughs> and Alex Turner, their front man, also did Last Shadow Puppets. I remember you brought up that second Last Shadow Puppets record mm-hmm. from 2016 when it came out. But now they're back. Following up AM, their mega hit album from 2013. Yeah, dog. And it's uh, it's different from their sound, for sure. <laughs> Perhaps it's more indie rock than, uh, than any of their other music. I mean, what did you think as a big Arctic Monkeys fan? You've seen them before, right? Yeah, well, I saw them live at Firefly 2015, playing what, two sets before the Foo Fighters. My favorite memory from that is I was in the crowd and Alex Turner. For AM, they had this, this like greaser look to them almost, where they had like button-ups with short sleeves and rolled-up sleeves and like slicked back hair, and Alex Turner's like sauntering around the stage, like, crooning, and this girl in front of me and my girlfriend just is like i'm feeling a lot of things down there so like alex turner has like he has like this sort of appeal to people people can consider him like our generation's bowie in a lot of ways which is like a huge i mean huge comparison to make this is probably the most divisive album arctic monkeys has ever made which is interesting because you know 2006 is whatever people think i am that's what i'm not was so punk sounding and had this like cutting lyricism to it and that was kind of what epitomized Arctic Monkeys and throughout all their albums like My Favorite Nightmare, Humbug, Suckin' in Sea. They experimented with a little bit more like classical sounding rock but this totally went in a different direction. It's it's based off this idea that Turner came up with reading a couple of books. I, I don't recall which ones they were. Basically about this like, hotel on the moon and there's these like lounge singers, this lounge band that is like playing to these people who moved to the moon and he really had like a very distinct vibe and, and idea and theme for this which is why I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much calling it a concept album for arctic monkeys which is mm. i don't know if it's, a lot of people would consider it that but they really were going for something very distinct and different for them which I, I i didn't like at first because i mean i'm going into this thinking i'm gonna hear something like am or these really catchy right. hooks almost like these like this like bluesy rock sound and i get this like, lounge jazz record with it, it sounded like a mix of the last shadow puppets and arctic monkeys to some extent but it's really grown on me listening to it a couple of times because i think not only does turner really step his lyricism game up on this and there's a lot of really weird lyrics that you have to really sit with and digest but i also think for a band like arctic monkeys and we give a lot of bands shit about not doing something new not trying enough things and landing it they took a huge left turn and they still kind of landed it and it actually makes me excited for the next Arctic Monkeys album, because I feel like adding something something like this to their repertoire, they can now experiment with a lot of different sounds and kind of mesh everything together to make very unique sounding and, and stylistic album that not a lot of bands are doing now. And it's all because Alex Turner really is able to write sounds and build off a concept that not a lot of people do. Now, I don't think this is a perfect album. It's probably my second to least favorite Arctic Monkeys album, but there's a lot here to like. Did you give it a listen? I did. I'm not that familiar with their music. Right beyond like you know the bigger am song so it was definitely a, much like jack white's boarding house reach it was kind of came out of left field for me did anything pop out i don't have any one song or anything but i mean to your point about being concept album i think what popped out was just how uh, crafted the sound so obviously was you yeah. know 
Yeah, it's kind of like in the same vein of like a lounge singer. Like it's it all kind of stays like the same level. There's not a ton of highs or a ton of lows to it. If you listen with like really good headphones, like Nick O'Malley's bass on this is like unbelievable, especially in the first half of the album, like on songs like Star Treatment. Also, four out of five, which seems to they dropped as a single this past weekend with you know music video. If you listen to the end of it, like it builds up and this instrumental at the end is classic Arctic monkeys in a way where you can hear them just like starting to like let go and just like lose themselves in the music which is really exciting because I was all <laughs> kind of nervous about the tickets I bought to see them in <laughs> July I was like oh, this is going to be like an hour of outer space jazz rock I'm not sure if I can <laughs> you know stomach that but there's a lot here to really like a couple of the songs that stood out to me Golden Trunk uh, Golden Trunks was a really good one probably his most like biting political song Turner's ever written and then uh, Ultra Cheese the final track also I thought was was really well done but again, this is an album that I think you have to take as a whole. And that's why I think it's good that they didn't release singles leading up to this. Because if they had, I, I don't know if people would have given it the chance that you kind of have sure. to for an album like this. But yeah, Arctic Monkeys, something new. Not what we expected. <laughs> How would you compare it to uh, the new albums from three kind of contemporaries of them that dropped last year? Uh, the Foo Fighters, The Killers, and Arcade Fire. Uh, all different kinds of bands, obviously, but they all were about the same size and structure, more or less, and they all released new albums last summer. If I remember the Foo Fighters album, Concrete and Gold, they definitely took some chance and did some different stuff on that, but it was pretty much the same old Foo Fighter type album. Same with The Killers, although The Killers continue to kind of go in a more obscure and more like 80s synth pop type direction yeah actually it's interesting because i think kings of leon's album last year was probably the one that and we didn't even we didn't even review it but i think that's the we one didn't that was best out of those other three i think arctic monkeys is a little bit better but the sound that they try with that really incorporated some of their more poppy elements with some of their, their roots as like a blues grassy like hard rock band so i i think that probably kings of leon and arctic monkeys which i, I never really thought i'd put those two together in any <laughs> sense are probably the ones that show the most promise out of all these interesting it'll be interesting to see how these play out in a live show because they have so many different sounds now that it's going to be either a lot of like ups and downs or if they kind of change these songs up to like fit more of their like punk rock energy it's definitely going to be interesting to see are you going to catch them at all this summer no they're not at governor's ball oh that's right you're only going to governor's governor's ball is only a couple weeks you excited yeah that's on june 2nd saturday june 2nd so coming up i might grab that friday ticket see jack white nice we'll see sean mendes special guest set they added to friday go go to that <laughs> maybe maybe I'll check him out and give a review. So something that we haven't really talked much about, but we, we did a review on last year, Silicon Valley. So HBO kind of finished up its springtime shows last night. Silicon Valley, Barry wrapped up, Lana also wrapped up, but we talked about Lana a lot. So why don't we put that on the shelf? Last year, when Silicon Valley season four wrapped up, I think what we said was the show seems to be kind of dropping off. I think with the news that came out about TJ Miller verified or, or kind of gave validity to what we were seeing in that it seems like there was a lot of disjointment and just like lack of interest mm-hmm. from a lot of the people. But we were optimistic about this season because we thought Ehrlich Bachman gone can give Jimmy O. Yang's Jin Yang a lot of room to shine. Maybe Monica folds into the mix. What did you think? I mean, was this a good season of Silicon Valley? Season four was a lot of wheels spinning. Yeah. And that's not to say that any season didn't spin wheels to a certain extent once you look back on Silicon Valley. It's been renewed for season six, so we got five in the can already. And this was only eight episodes, not ten this time, but... I think this is definitely an improvement on season four. And I think what, what the show can still do the best, uh, there's still moments of that. But I do think that some people are getting a little restless with the plot. And, you know, you mentioned Jimmy O. Yang and, and Monica. I mean, Jin Yang starts off really strong in this. And then like, he 
kind of he goes to China for the most bench. of the season, and, he, and he's not there. Now he's moved back, and he's in Ehrlich's room. I hope they'll miss, really commit to him being a part of the ensemble. And then uh, the show has always struggled with its female characters, and Monica, again, barely in the season, and then she comes in really hot at the end. Mm-hmm. Just seemed like a weird choice. And then Lori Breen, I mean, I think making her an antagonist was effective and probably smart but her character has always been just a a caricature so they still kind of lack that department but speaking of what did well i I thought zach woods continued his run as the mvp of the show Mm -hmm. god is he hilarious (laughs) and then i think martin Starr deserves some credit for the kind of tweaks he did with guilfoyle there are multiple moments where they basically just say yeah no he's like yeah no i i I am racist you're right Mm -hmm. but overall i thought that his comedy was good and you know dinesh i feel like got a lot of shine earlier in, in the show's run but they've kind of spread it around among that core group and while you know i think most people don't really like richard i think thomas miltich is still really good Mm -hmm. playing that character so i think there's still a lot to like in this uh, with the show even if the plot can kind of be uh frustrating you know i I think the thing i feel most frustrated with is it it seems like this season they were kind of trying to find like the the starting lineup they should be putting out there they had like three or four of the players but they couldn't find like the fifth one that that they really could build an episode around or build you know like a story arc around because like you said jimmy o yang's jin yang at the beginning of the season got a lot of shine and I was like okay here we go like we're gonna have to invest in him mm-hmm. then he gets put on the bench Lori Breen they they kind of humanized with that episode where you know she yeah. uh, her and Thomas Middleditch are kind of like talking about how hard it is to be a CEO and be wearing all this and then she goes back to being this like, ruthless cutthroat straight-faced CEO who's mm-hmm. just trying to do whatever she needs to do to be successful and Monica I mean like you said just comes on really strong at the end and they actually kind of humanize her in a way but you see it for two episodes and then who knows what her role will be next season. So I feel like this was a lot of figuring things out post Ehrlich, which I guess probably should have been expected. The show is still good, but I just don't think it's must watch the way it used to be. Right. I think they kind of figured out how to use Gavin again. Yeah. Uh, as like he's the B plot more or less, and then he'll rope back into the main plot at times. I think it's pretty effective and, and still pretty funny. Like he, The supporting characters around him, I think, uh, worked really well. But I mean, some stuff I think took a little too long this year. Like all the stuff about them like staffing up and getting those like other little startups to join with them. It was, it, mm-hmm. Only for them to leave at the end. It, it kind of brings up the criticism of, oh yeah, no matter how much progress they make in Silicon Valley, Pied Piper will always just reset to zero. Mm-hmm. Now this time, things seem to be on the up and up, so we know probably in episode two or three, it's like it never happened, right. just by assumption. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's not the top tier comedy, like a, like a Barry or a, like Atlanta shows that just aspire to be bigger, and it's ne- not quite as good as Vaveep, but mm-hmm. still pretty good. I mean, I, li- I still like the show more than you know the NBC offerings. Definitely. Uh, I know you're big good place fan but yeah i think i think it's still good i'm hoping that like you know mike judge and the team kind of like you said figured out the lineup again when with tj miller out of the way and considering the upheaval with that i think the season went pretty well all things considered yeah definitely do you like it more than brooklyn 99 which is now an nbc property yeah i i mean i've watched some brooklyn 99 here and there a lot of good people on that yeah. show i like samberg i like terry cruz i like Jill truglio that's a show that actually has had good character growth from what i've read and also can like play with stereotypes and you know you know just liberal ideas like that silicon valley this season kind of tipped its toes into that with yeah. uh, you know jimmy Wang's character specifically and like you said guilfoyle and his racism but mm-hmm. i think it's not quite as progressive as something like brooklyn 99 i think it's good that it's back at nbc yeah. just because it's a show produced by universal anyway so it should be at nbc but i mean if you think of all like the great comedies 
since 2000. I mean, The Office, Parks and Rec, and 30 Rock were on NBC, and who canceled Arrested Development? Fox. Yep. Just like they canceled Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So it just kind of makes sense. You should, you, if you're a comedy, you want to be on NBC or HBO. Those are the two spots right now. Definitely. My only last thought on Silicon Valley is probably the funniest bit that they had all season, at least for me was in the last episode the way jerry just destroyed richard's helper or assistant right just the way he like mentally beat him down <laughs> the, the character that that guy became was hilarious yeah for sure yeah alec berg with the producer or executive producer EP. of silicon valley he's also the the producer of barry which had its first season wrap up last night and we kind of talked about barry after the first episode and said it's excellent you know that we really enjoyed it i'm wondering if you felt like it kind of carried it throughout the season because we kind of talked about this is a hard needle to thread you know hitmen turning into an actor supposed to be a comedy it's kind of a difficult plane to land and did it land i think it definitely landed and when we talked about the premiere what would we say he's good at being hitman but he wants to be an actor and he's bad at being an actor right that's a good that's already a great premise with all the talent involved right so we're like all right cool we're in and it's effective and it's well written. Uh, what I did not expect was that the show is going to be like more about like morality mm-hmm. and slowly convince the the viewer over the course of eight episodes that the main protagonist that you're supposed to like, in this case, Bill Hader's Barry, really isn't a good person. Yep. He starts off just convincing himself that he's doing bad things, obviously killing people, but he's killing bad people so he can rationalize it and internalize it and so he can be okay with it. And then the last two episodes, I think, are just this amazing one-two punch. And the Penelope episode really fucks Barry up because he killed an innocent person. And then... His only friend. Right. And then the finale ends with him killing another innocent person. And I thought the finale was very effective because it had that fake out where, like, oh, it seems like we've had a happy resolution. Oh, wait, there's 12 minutes left. I have to be on my toes again. Yeah, and I think that speaks to the writing and just the creativity with this show because throughout the season, they use those flash forwards or those daydreams that, you know, you don't know if they're flash forwards, but those daydreams as like a way for Barry to to escape and to kind of show like what he's really striving for and, and what he's looking for in life. And then when they flash forward to that, that scene at, at Gene's cabin on the lake, you're like, oh, this has to be just a flash forward in Barry's mind. And then when it turns out not to be and the way that that actually turns into something that makes him kind of face who he is as a person, which, you know, if you want to read more about like that concept and, and the performances that they're doing, not only like on stage, but in their real lives on this show, Miles Surrey's article on The Ringer, I really recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just really great filmmaking to kind of juxtapose those two things together and kind of smash them together to, to make you face what's this person all about that you're rooting for. Hater is just unbelievable in this show. Not only in the penultimate episode, that scene where he's talking with Chris, his friend, and he realizes he has to kill him. The way mm-hmm. that he plays that with like, why'd you have to say that? Freaking right. out. But then everything after that, and then also his face when Gene kind of gives him up in the last episode, just the look in his eyes, like so perfect. I could see him getting a nomination for this for sure. I think he'd definitely get a nomination just on the surface. Veep is not going to be nominated this year. Final season isn't coming out till next year. So I think he's actually got a great opportunity to at least be nominated. Perhaps he'll lose to the Atlanta guys, mm-hmm. one of them. But yeah, I definitely think it's really well-deserved. What did you think of Sarah Goldberg's character, Sally, throughout the uh, season? I, I saw some criticism saying that people thought her character was just too selfish and it, it didn't, she didn't have like enough of an arc. And I don't know if that makes sense to me just because her character is a struggling actress that's inherently going to be a selfish character. I, I mean, I, did, you, did you get that vibe? I feel like a lot of people on this show are selfish. I feel like most of the people that you're rooting for are selfish in a lot of ways. You think about like Fuchs. He was incredibly selfish like basically manipulating barry to 
do mm-hmm. what he wants him to do, not really thinking about how it affects him. Perhaps the only non-selfish person was one of my favorites, Noho Hank. That dude was fucking yeah. hilarious. Shout out Anthony Kerrigan. Yeah, Sarah Goldberg, I thought it was a great performance. I didn't really like her character, but I think I'm probably not supposed to really like her character. I did feel for her in the episode when like her agent propositions her. And right. just like, I thought that the way that she played that was excellent. But yeah, it's, I mean, this she's a very shallow person whose biggest fear is not becoming a star. It's not, not making it as an actor, not being a good actor. It's not being a star. And it's kind of hard right. for me to feel for somebody like that. What was your feeling on it? No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think by the end of the season... The most likable people are who? Noho Hank, a Chechen gangster. <laughs> I, I, I guess Gene. Gene's more or less a good, innocent guy. Didn't really do much wrong. You know, I guess Gene's the best character in that regard. But interesting way to think about who, who, who's the most likable yeah, on the show. Definitely. As it goes, progresses, you realize, oh, these people aren't that great. I can't forget what nationality the other gangster was, but the guy that was supposedly like really like cutthroat and bad bolivian yeah the bolivian and then he's like the nicest guy ever he's like oh why did you just tell me we could have talked this out but now we can't now you know how this has to go down i was like yeah (laughs) they were making jokes about the bolivians being short and then you look it up (laughs) they actually have the shortest average height of any country in the world it's like five feet but it kind of just shows like this show is just very smart you know one thing i wanted to ask you so alan Sepinwall in his review talked about how this finale and kind of the way that like the running theme throughout the last episode was I'm going to be different starting now was like how it kind of kept going. You know, Alan Sepinwall said this almost felt like a a serious finale, like the way it kind of ended. And he's a little bit concerned about where the show goes from here. Alec Berg, we mentioned was a, is an EP for Silicon Valley. And that's one of the big critiques Silicon Valley is that the story arc always seems to be the same. It starts off, they have a great idea, something inevitably goes wrong, and they fix it at the very last second. Same thing happened last night. Where do you think a show like Barry goes from here? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question, too, because, I mean, he dumped Fuchs at the airport, but you have to imagine Stephen Root will be back for season two. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what what's going to happen? Is he can just going to, like, relapse and start being a hitman again? Are they going to, like, reset the show in that regard? And then killing the cop, I forgot her name, Janice. Janice. That takes away a big aspect of Gene's character, and that was also the whole legal angle to the show. I mean, they killed Goron. That's fine. They have the Bolivian guy at Noho Hang. That's fine. It just seemed like it would be a big reset to start up a whole new season. Would they keep the acting class aspect of the show, which was a big part of it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, especially with, I mean, they're out in a cabin on the lake where it doesn't seem like there's a lot of other people around. When Janice inevitably ends up dead, there's obviously going to be some suspicion around the people who were there and and what was going on. They're probably going to be pointing fingers at each other. I think more than anything, I just hope, you know, it doesn't become this whole thing about Barry constantly trying to be someone different and then being pulled back to this life because I could see that very quickly becoming just frustrating to watch maybe one season being dedicated to it I understand but and that's kind of the overall thing of the show is he's this one person or has been this one way wants to be different or hopes to be different but I think more than anything the show the heart of it is kind of coming to reality with who you are you know accepting that and making sense of it and I'm sure Hayter and, and Bergen they unless here Mariah to do some more directing and maybe consulting on the show will come up with a great direction for it. I mean all brilliant people but definitely some some things to maybe be concerned about or thinking about moving forward I also hope that this isn't a show that goes on for like multiple seasons I think this is probably like a three maybe four 
season show. Yeah, definitely. Any last thoughts on anything we talked about today? Check out that ski mask and that T Grizzly, because like you said before, we'll be talking XXL freshman next week, and I expect those two to be there. So it's time to get familiar. Yeah, and if you if you listen to the Arctic Monkeys album, tweet at us at Nostalgia Pod. Let us know is this a good move for Arctic Monkeys? Bad move? Do you like the album? Do you not like the album? So hit us up. We want to interact with you again. Subscribe youtube soundcloud a nostalgia pod on itunes everywhere share us with friends we really need the support shout out to our two new subscribers on youtube we appreciate you guys hey what do we got next week dave deadpool 2 comes out thursday night kyle's debut album light of mine friday and we'll also get to the beach house album seven their seventh album which we didn't have time to fit in this week and fahrenheit 451 with Michael Shannon and Michael B. Jordan and Sophia Batella. That film will be on HBO Saturday of all days. Saturday. 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 <laughs> so we got a lot of stuff to be talking about next week. And then I think we're going to be kind of be switching it up for a couple of future pods. We will be bringing you that content weekly. Don't you worry about a thing. But until next week and until we, we see Deadpool. Peace out. Yeah.